Hey, Pharmacy Podcast Network listeners, this is Bruce Neeland, host of Pharmacy Crossroads, with a shout out to Medela Springs Healthcare. This remarkable new company has developed some unique, professionally recommended OTC products, products you can stock and recommend with confidence. Check them out at medellasprings.com. That's Medella, M-E-D-E-L-L-A, medellasprings.com. Thank you. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip guy, Bruce Neeland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community healthcare. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now, here's our host, Bruce Neeland. Well, hello again, Pharmacy Crossroads listeners. This is Bruce Neeland bringing you another episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. And as always, I'm excited to introduce you to the guest we're going to be talking with today. This is Mr. Jonathan Marquez. I think I got it almost right, Jonathan. You'll correct us all in, in, in just a second. Jonathan, Jonathan and his wife, operate a remarkable collection of pharmacies in Georgia. He'll tell us a little bit more about that in a minute. And he and I have been friends the best I can calculate for almost 20 years. Um, I'm pretty sure we met on the CE speaking circuit at a McKesson pharmacy show in like 2003 or 2004. And uh, Jonathan is a pioneer. Uh, At the time, he was doing a lot, and he probably still is, of training a pharmacist on immunizations, which is going to be a key part of our topic this morning. Um, Jonathan, uh, let me stop rambling and ask you to tell us just a little bit about you and your family and what's going on in pharmacy in Georgia. Tell us about the pharmacy and the family. Well, thank you, Bruce. And uh, this truly, on my calendar, this was the highlight of my week, probably my month, uh, talking to my good friend, Bruce Nealon. You're right. We met 20 years ago. Uh, I always wondered, I was Bruce's warm-up act on the CE speaker circuit. I'd be talking about immunizations for about an hour and a half and about 20 minutes left to go. People would just be piling into my CE and I'd be like, gosh, they missed all my good jokes. They missed all the good slides. Uh And they said, no, we're here for Bruce Neeland's program. Who's next? So, yes, Bruce, you've been a great friend. Uh, you, you talk about icons uh, in pharmacy. You are it. And I was so glad to uh, write a letter a year or two ago and you get your great award from from APHA. Yes, I'm extremely blessed. Uh, many people on this call and this webinar know Pam, my wife. She's a pharmacist. Um, and really leads the Marquis Group now. <clears throat> I'm really proud, too, of my kids. My son is a second-year pharmacy student at the University of Georgia, and my daughter Madison is a first-year student at the University of Georgia, so we've sort of got a house divided. We got two dogs. Pam and I went to Mercer. We got two bears, Um, but uh, I'm extremely blessed, and we certainly talk about pharmacy a lot. We operate 14 uh, community pharmacies in one closed door, 
Well, Pharmacy All in Georgia certainly keeps us busy, but as we like to say, we're helping a lot of people every day. Well, as I like to say, with people who own more than one a pharmacy, there's there's pills that will cure that. So um, <laughs> it, right. it, it's got it's got to be a challenge and, a, and an opportunity. And boy, am I glad to have you on today. So as I kind of hinted in the beginning, we want to talk, first of all, about immunizations and um, boy, immunizations starts with flu and then it goes on from there. But tell me how you got attracted to doing immunizations when that happened and and kind of how that business has grown for you. And we'll talk about the clinics next. So don't get into that yet. Yeah, appreciate it, Bruce. It's a, it's a pretty simple story, easy story. Um, back in the early 90s, um, patients of mine would, would want me to give shots and I would call the state association and I'd say, hey, can I can I give flu shots? And at the time, our current attorney said, you you really can't do that. But he goes, there's nothing that says you can't do it. There's nothing in the code that says you can. So long story short, Bruce, it, it took a it took a crisis. We had a flood in South Georgia and uh, we packed up about 10 of us and went down and the governor suspended all rules. So we were we were given vaccines three and four you know, at a time to people uh, from flu, pneumonia, hepatitis. And it was really an eye-opening for the Department of Health, uh, which I still have a great relationship from starting in the early 90s. They said, wow, pharmacists are very knowledgeable. They're highly trained. And by golly, they can give good shots. Yeah. So after that, we went to the legislature and then in 1994 uh, and passed a bill where we could basically do flu shots. Uh, since then, it's it's gone to more and more and more. And we currently... Uh, have in our laws that we can do any ACIP vaccine as long as we have a standing order. Uh, you can do that without a prescription. Now, if you get a prescription in Bruce, you can do anything. So the protocol allows you to, in essence, generate a prescription based on a person's uh, a profile and immunization history. If a doctor sends them in with a prescription, uh, yeah. it's just you fill it like any other. Yeah, yeah. So how many different kinds of immunizations are you actively doing in your pharmacies now? Well, you know, doing, you know, we always say we have a list of probably about 15 vaccines that we have stocked, that we have available, that we have ready. But I would say for your listeners, Bruce, you know, you certainly dip your toe uh, in, in the water with immunizations with influenza or the flu shot. Everybody above six months of age needs a flu shot. And most of the people I train, I tell them to focus on the adults. Um, but, you know, Bruce, when that person comes in, I hate to miss an opportunity. And before I forget it, I do want to thank your listeners for stepping up, Bruce. Um, we would have not been able to handle this COVID pandemic without the pharmacist of the United States. And uh, it is incredible to think about what a great job uh, this group of professionals did. So when they come in now, everybody needs a flu shot. Now you can talk about the new bivalent COVID vaccine that we're giving, but also real quickly, Bruce, there's two new pneumonia vaccines. There's a shingles vaccine. We do a lot of hepatitis B. There's a combination hepatitis A and B. Uh, really, the list could go on and on, but there's about five, Bruce, that our staff and our technicians and our pharmacists like to ask everybody that comes in the pharmacy. Well, and and 
and I think there's a couple key things that you said there, and and um, you know you you mentioned the flood and the crisis in Georgia. Um, isn't it interesting how some of the silver linings come out of these crises? So. Um, the uh, and the other good news, I've got my appointment on Friday to get my second booster at um, my little independent pharmacy about 15 miles from here. So um, it, it is remarkable what happened with COVID yeah. on on so many fronts. The and and we're often running with COVID vaccines, and that's obviously opened up covid testing and uh, I, i'm kind of interested to see where we go with I, i'm not sure i know how to pronounce it right paclovid the uh, the ability yeah. to, to test and treat and, and that door that's opened so yeah. 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 you you mentioned shingles and pneumonia um uh you know i'm i pay a little bit more attention than the average person but i'm still a little bit confused on the evolution of the pneumonia vaccines Tell me what's currently the appropriate vaccine and how do you migrate somebody who thinks they've already gotten the pneumonia shot but needs the new one? Yeah, there there is a decision tree on this, Bruce, but I'll make it real easy. Many people at age 65 will get what is called a Pneumovax uh, 23, and that's a very good vaccine. Um, as we've learned more about pneumonia, um, there's been some conjugated vaccines that have come out. We currently have a conjugated 15 and a conjugated 20 uh, vaccine. So don't want to confuse it, but I would I would advise your listeners. People come in all the time and say, oh, well, I got a I got a pneumonia shot 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, that's good that you did that. You need one of the new ones. And depending on what the pharmacists think, what the physicians think, uh, if you get the 15 um, the conjugated 15, a year later, you get another Pneumovax. If you get the conjugated 20, you're basically done. So it's a very important concept. Just like Bruce, I, I tell pharmacists, one report you can do, uh, and I know the major pharmacy systems do this, print out everybody that's going to come in today on your sync program that's 50 years and above. Well, they all need a Shingrix shot. And it's a two-shot series, Bruce. So not only do you get them to come in, maybe fill all their medications, you're going to get them back another time between 60 days and 180 days. Um, yeah. And uh, how do you know whether they've had them already or not? That's another good question. I have to brag on Georgia and our health departments. I know you'll love this term. It's very innovative, but it's called grits. We love grits in Georgia. We eat them with cheese. We eat them with bacon. We eat them plain, but our GRITS system is our Georgia Registry for Immunization Technology. So you can go in and look at my GRITS report and say, yep, Jonathan's got him a flu shot every year. He's had five COVID shots and he's had a his shingles. He's 50. I know the listeners may not think I look it, but yes, I've had my shingrix. But we have a registry in just about every state. It's above 40 now states that have a registry. This is where I tell pharmacists one of the best ways to boost your program is get to know your local health department and partner with them and work with them uh, on various vaccines. Um, so the uh, grits, um, I love it that somebody was clever when they did that down mm -hmm. south. Um, 
and it, it's interesting. I just wrote an wrote an article for America's Pharmacist on my uh, most recent road trip, which which was wonderful. I got to meet Michelle Belcher in her oh, pharmacy yeah. in her pharmacy in Grants Pass. But uh, kind of the theme I used to start the article with is the is the word grit, which is kind of used in reference to successful business attributes, just mm -hmm. the ability to keep on going. So we've got grits and grit on the podcast today. Yes, that's yes. that's cool. So doing immunizations in your pharmacy, you, you have to be certified. How, what's the process there? Uh, again, very easy. And I, I like to, to say this, Bruce, and you've heard it many times, but immunizations is the number one clinical service I personally believe that a pharmacist can do because in a sense, you can get trained, which is a 20-hour program. Um APHA, I think, did a good thing. They partnered with the CDC. And to my knowledge, it's the only program that has the stamp of approval uh, for the CDC. And as you know, Bruce, Bruce, you've been to a couple of them. I teach that program. There's many trainers across the country. Uh, we, we do the programs here now at the association, usually on a, a Sunday or a Saturday uh, when folks can get off. You get trained, Bruce. You do have to spend a little bit of time talking about ordering product. Um, other than flu, it's very easy. You have to do a little planning uh, with your flu vaccine uh, and then get a little bit of paperwork and uh, make sure you're trained in CPR and you're basically ready to put sharp needles into deltoid muscles in a sense in a week. Uh, you could be up and going and I've helped many pharmacists uh, do that in little as a week's time. And uh, and and the editorial comment I make there is we you talk about it being the number one clinical services and we certainly get a lot of uh, emphasis in the uh, in the pharmacy world for you know practicing at the top of your license and moving into clinical services and what what I like about the migration from walk-in dispensing which has been the backbone of pharmacy the most of my career uh, is that immunizations is your first tiptoe into yeah. offering something that the patient didn't come in expecting or wanting. Yeah. And, and boy, that's kind of like asking the girl out on your first date. It's hard as you can, hard as heck. But then after that, it gets a little bit easier. And yeah. I'm still amazed at the number of pharmacies that, that don't do uh, flu shots. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how many of them will be listening to this podcast because we tend to attract the, the industry leaders here. But uh, mm -hmm. th th that's just a, a great way for somebody to tiptoe into the, hey, I'm going to do something. Um, and I know that 10 years ago, uh, you know, the big pushback was, well, my doctors are going to hate me for yeah. doing that. that. That's kind of over, isn't it? It, it really is. And, and I like to say and use, use the term a rising tide lifts all boats. We are not in pharmacy, and, and I'm talking pharmacy general here. We are not trying to, quote, unquote, steal a patient from not going to their doctors. If people say, hey, next week I'm going to get my uh, COVID shot from my physician or two weeks from now I've got a flu shot booked with my physician, I say, great job. Just make sure you get it done. But then I do move right into what about shingles? What about pneumonia? Because with both of those, a lot of times we're billing Medicare Part D as in David and Medicare B as in boy. And sometimes some physicians aren't set up to do that. But we're really, Bruce, trying to get to those folks that are, in a sense, slipping through the cracks. They may not have a physical for six months from now. Well, most practices that I work with don't just want to get them in just for a flu shot 
because they're so swamped. Yeah. That's where the community pharmacist, in my opinion, the independent community pharmacist can shine so brightly. And, and, and they've proven that they can do that. So flu shots in the pharmacy, done. How do you get out and go do them outside and really grow your clinic uh, immunization program? What's two or three of the basic steps for doing that? Um, you know, you don't have to do this, but I do have two nurses on staff and I have a director of first impressions. But I have to brag on Pam. You know, we're doing about half of our vaccines now, Bruce, outside uh, the four walls. We do churches. We do schools. I did chicken processing plants. I did a large bank. Um, it's really, again, to the core, working with your community. Independent community pharmacists are the pillars uh, of their community. Just start asking uh, employers in your area, and the employers love it because you, in a sense, are going to do 10 to 50 to 200 shots. You're not going to take all of those employees away from their factory or their school or whatever business is, you're going to do it right there. And what I love for the independent, they're going to give you one big fat check uh, many times and say, here, this is great for your services. Sometimes you do have to do some billing. But yes, Bruce, to me, that's the next frontier, uh, I believe. And many of your listeners on here, they're the top of the top. They've been doing this like we have for a while. But if you're not, this is the next evolution uh, of your immunization practices is taking your show on the road. So number one is you have to be proactive and outreach to people and let them know that you can do it. When they say, yeah, that's great, then you have to get the logistics ready. So you have to have somebody who can leave the pharmacy and go do it. They have to be able to transport transpose the, the, the necessary equipment and then the billing. So tell me about the logistics and tell me about the billing. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Bruce. Um, what I would tell you um, is you have to get great at doing it and you're a pharmacy, knowing the procedures, alcohol pads, band-aids, paperwork, billing, get great at it at your pharmacy. Then you can take it on the road because there are some logistics. And I would say, do a bunch of this up front. I know some people called me and say, I just called the bank I'm going to and they forgot about the day. Well, that can happen and it certainly happened to me. We almost send them three emails. Thank you so much for booking Thursday, uh, October 12th. Then we send them one about halfway in between. We're looking forward to Thursday, October 14th. And then just a couple of days. Do you have everything ready for us? Do you know where the room's going to be? Do you have some uh, garbage cans ready? Is there tables? We bring all the, which I want to lead to, we bring all the forms with us, Bruce, and we use this as a marketing tool. We bring pins, we bring pads, we bring uh, stickers that said, I got my shot at East Marietta Drugs. So I know a lot of people say, well, when I get down to the numbers, it's a good day, but I say, no, it's a great day because not only have you gone out, done a service, gotten reimbursed, you were able to market your business in a way that I've never seen us be able to market. Uh, yeah. and. Um... I, I've got this saying that I've used a thousand times. Um, I call it Neeland's truism number one. At any one time, there's more people outside of your pharmacy than there are in your pharmacy. So if you want to grow your pharmacy, 
get out of the pharmacy. Yeah. Um, and uh, this this is a process for doing that. That's that's, uh, I, I guess, stealth marketing. You're there doing what you do. You're doing it well, but you're handling people. You're touching people. Um, they're, they can't help but know and identify who you are. There's a conscious moment in their mind. You break through the subconscious. And we've all experienced that thing when you're talking to somebody and, and uh, they come in for the first time. You've been there for 20 years and they say, I never knew you were here. Yeah. Um, and this, this breaks through that conscious level. Um, so we got to move on. We got a lot okay. to talk about. So sure. Uh, you've mentioned APHA a couple times. Uh, uh, what's your opinion on pharmacy associations? Well, this is something I say, and I guess full disclosure, I am a board member for NCPA, and I love that work I do with NCPA. But this is what I tell students. This is what I tell pharmacists. This is what I tell just about everybody. Number one, join your state pharmacy association. Number two, join your national association. For me, that focus is really NCPA. Uh, and number three, join a specialty. You know, you might be big in compounding. Uh, so join join that group. You may be in nuclear pharmacy or hospital pharmacy. Uh, I get this question a lot. Well, I'm in hospital pharmacy. Well, you still need to be a member of your state association. Yes. Um, but but NCPA is, is really my home. I think we've got a lot of good pharmacy associations. I do think it confuses legislators uh, sometimes when... Uh, you know, we go down to the state capitol here in Atlanta and they say, well, I just talked to four different pharmacy groups. But in a sense, we we have great pharmacy associations, our state association I'm obviously proud of and the work that Georgia's done because of so many of our great independent members. Uh, NCPA has uh, done an incredible amount of work when you just talk about the the pandemic and the we have a specific website that talks about all the things you can do. Uh, with COVID, but certainly associations, Bruce, even since a student have been a part of my life and they'll continue to be a part of my life. And so do they just cost and take time and people stand around and, and tell fancy stories or do they get something done? And does it affect you individually at your pharmacy? It really does. But I'll be the first to say, Bruce, you know, obviously associations have expenses and, uh, you know, they have rents, they got to turn on the lights. So there is some expense, but don't just pay your membership bill, get involved. Um, and I'm not saying you have to be president of every organization, but join a committee, get on the foundation, uh, help them do some fundraising, uh, get involved in the associations you you belong to. But just, just one example, um, the head of the FTC just spoke to the NCPA uh, annual meeting in Kansas City. And I promise you, Bruce, it was not just because, you know, it was in a nice place and it was Kansas City. Uh, Chairman Khan knew that independent pharmacists are pillars of their community. So in a sense, we couldn't have had her if we didn't have the great membership we had. And I could tell you story after story after story of whether it's a politician, a government leader, a local city councilman, a mayor uh, that wants to get to know their independent pharmacist. And uh, you know, I'll I'll put in my editorial thing. I've 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 often said, just like you, you can't be a, a a pharmacist and not belong to your state association. They control the licensing, they control the reimbursement mechanisms, uh, you know, all those kinds of things, and and have direct influence on on your practice capabilities, and and so that's critical. Yeah. But the the other thing that I like to just came up on one of these websites the other day. Somebody was asking 
you know, what's the benefit of joining NCPA? And the, the little response I made is, hey, find out the 10 most successful pharmacies you know in your area right. and ask, ask them if they belong to an association. And my bet is, is that seven or eight out of those 10 will belong. And then ask yourself, okay, these are the super successful pharmacies. They belong. Did they belong before they were super successful or has belonging helped them become super successful? And I argue the latter, um, that, uh, you know, you just get to associate with people with the right mindset who are thinking outside the box and you go back to your pharmacy, you're invigorated and you're just better at what you do. So that's my pitch for association. So thank you for your service for NCPA. I know that's a uh, that that's a big commitment, um, but uh, you're a perfect example of how you take service and benefit and wind it together into one thing. So. The the last thing that I, I want you to share with me, you've talked about in your role as a, I don't know whether it's executive director or president of the Georgia Academy of Independent Pharmacies, but you've seen some pharmacies doing some stuff with home health agencies. What's going on? Well, Bruce, thank you. And I know we have a limited time with you and your schedule is extremely busy, but this is a labor of love. And it may go back to that story you told about dates. And um, I wasn't yeah. too successful, I guess, but luckily Pam said yes. Um, I wasn't really looking for a job, but in January, I, I got to me the dream job. I love coming in every day because I work for 415 independent owners and I solve small problems every day. I solve big problems every day. And uh, it's it's truly been a labor of love, but they've given me a big fancy title, Bruce, but I'm the vice president of the Academy of Independent Pharmacy. We're a subsidiary uh, of the Georgia Pharmacy Association, still under the umbrella, and it's the only way I would have it under the uh, state association. But we, uh, we have two lobbyists, uh, we have three uh, service representatives, and we have uh, two folks here in the office that work every day tirelessly uh, for our independent owners. So what's going on with home health care and partnerships with, with some of your members? Thank you for asking that, and uh, forgive me. Um, to me, we always have to be looking for ways to increase our business. We all know about the DRRs and the reimbursements, but I'm always a glass half full. And I think there's incredible amount of opportunities out there, one of which is I would advise all of your listeners, if you don't already know at least one or five home health care agencies, um, get to know them really well. And I'm going to paraphrase this, Bruce, but literally they have nurses that are going to five to 12 homes a day. Um, this is what they tell me. And they go into these homes. And again, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but they'll call me and they'll even text me pictures of bottles that have the wrong tops on them, upside down, wrong medicine in them, 20 different medicines on the coffee table there, Bruce. And in a sense, and this is true, these Georgia members make their lives easier. Many of them will bubble pack the medications. They'll put them on a sink program. Um, you know, we even have the pouch program that they can get on. So this is one of the best areas I've found because you work with nurses that go into people's homes every day and you can really help a patient because a lot of times they'll say, I think they need more medicine. Well, I'll say, let me look at their medicine first. And they're actually 90% of the time, Bruce, not taking the medications they currently have correctly. And and many times they should take a one or two less yeah. medications. That's right. yeah. yeah. 
So, I mean, the idea here is that uh, you just develop relationships. These people who are going into people's homes are seeing problems. They call you to see if you can solve it. And you end up picking up some new business and, and making a friend with a, a nurse who's an influential member of the community. Yeah, you know, I scratched my head a few years ago, but it finally hit me. These home health care agencies do not own a pharmacy. Right. So certainly they could reach out to a big box store, but they're not going to work with them. The independent pharmacists that I work with in Georgia make their lives easier. They get their medications correctly. They get them on a sync program. Uh, they can put it in some compliance packaging. Here's one of the things I've really liked. A few of our members have told me it's led to durable medical equipment sales. So I think it can lead to a lot of things. Going back to Bruce, we're always, or at least I feel we should always be looking for opportunities that are win, win, win. Uh, everybody wins. Well, you're you're the poster child of a person who has done that. We need to wrap this up here in the next minute. So, um, you know, I'm going to repeat my Neeland truism. There's more people outside your store than they're in. So get out. And one of those that you should get out and meet is the directors of owners of any of these home health care agencies and just let them know you're there and see what happens. What's yeah. your parting shot, Jonathan? Well, my parting shot is, Bruce, I love this Crossroads uh, series you've got going on. And I would ask everybody listening to this, if you don't remember what I said, tell one person to tap onto these Crossroads series. I know there'll be a, a great benefit to them. Thank you, Bruce, for having me on. You're a great friend, and I appreciate what you've done for the profession. Well, thank you. And so, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, that brings us to the end of another Pharmacy Crossroads podcast where our goal is to help every pharmacy in the country do more and be better. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you.